The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, January 7th. In today's news, talks to end the government shutdown are still at an impasse. Elizabeth Warren barnstorms around Iowa, and Thailand won't forcibly deport a Saudi woman who has barricaded herself into a hotel room. But first, the big idea. On Sunday, White House National Security Advisor John Bolton outlined conditions for a U.S. troop departure from Syria that contradicted President Trump's insistence that the withdrawal would be immediate and without conditions. Speaking during a visit to Israel, Bolton said that several objectives must be achieved before a pullout can take place. Bolton acknowledged that pockets of the Islamic State remain undefeated and that a quick U.S. pullout could endanger U.S. partners and allies in the region, as well as U.S. forces themselves. Trump has said that ISIS has been vanquished. Just two weeks ago, he said he was refusing military pleas for more time. But Sunday, he said, quote, I never said we're doing it that quickly. In fact, he said it would be done within 30 days. Then he extended the deadline to 120 days. Subsequently, he's walked that back as well. A review of the president's comments over the last few weeks illustrates how erratic his messaging has been and how he didn't think through this announcement before it was made. Among other things, Trump has changed his tune about whether or not ISIS is vanquished. Among the policy decisions that Bolton said still need to be made is what to do about the tens of thousands of Syrian Kurdish fighters that U.S. forces have trained, armed, and advised to carry out the ground war against the Islamic State. Turkey, which is a NATO ally, considers the Kurds terrorists and has vowed to drive them out of the northeastern Syrian territory seized from the militants as soon as the Americans leave. Trump has expressed confidence that Turkey, which controls its own Syrian force, is capable of picking up the remaining fight against the Islamic State. But Pentagon and State Department officials question Turkish priorities and capabilities. Bolton and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo have stated repeatedly in recent months that driving Iran from Syria was a central objective for the U.S., But Trump appeared to indicate Sunday that both Iran and Russia, whose forces in Syria back Assad, are U.S. allies against the Islamic State. Pompeo is headed to the region this week to reassure Arab allies that the United States will not abandon them to either ISIS or Iran. Bolton is going to continue traveling around the Middle East, going to Turkey on Tuesday. Meanwhile, two fresh data points from Sunday show that ISIS, while on the run, has not been defeated. A missile attack by ISIS wounded two British soldiers and killed at least one Kurdish fighter who they were embedded with in eastern Syria. It's the first known casualty by coalition forces since Trump announced the pullout. And Kurdish forces in Syria said they've captured two American citizens who were fighting with ISIS in the country's final stronghold. The Syrian Democratic Forces identified the detainees as Warren Christopher Clark, 34, and Zaid Abed Alhamid, 35. Clark was a Texas resident who worked as a substitute teacher in Houston schools before traveling to Saudi Arabia and Turkey to teach English. He converted to Islam and became radicalized. Moreover, there's evidence that the U.S.-led coalition appears to have ramped up military action inside Syria since Trump's announcement. Between December 16th and December 29th, U.S.-led forces conducted 469 air and artillery strikes targeting ISIS inside Syria. Prior to that period, the coalition had been averaging about 200 a week. All of this adds to the uncertainty about what exactly is American policy. 
All of these recalibrations by the president and his aides illustrate how rash that first announcement was. It also shows what appears to be a continuing divide at the highest levels of the administration. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Trump administration and Democratic leaders appear to remain at an impasse over the border wall, signaling an indefinite continuation of the partial government shutdown. As agencies sought to deal with cascading problems across the bureaucracy, acting White House Budget Director Russ Vogt sent congressional leaders a letter detailing the administration's latest offer to end the shutdown. They're demanding $5.7 billion for construction of a, quote, steel barrier for the southwest border, as well as an additional $800 million to address humanitarian needs and unaccompanied migrant children arriving at the border. The administration also signaled that, as a compromise, it would be willing to restore some version of an Obama-era program that allowed children in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador to apply for refugee resettlement in the U.S. But votes said a border wall is central to any strategy. A Democratic official said that in meetings over the weekend, there was no progress made toward actually getting a deal. And Trump on Sunday reiterated his threat to declare a national emergency to fund a border wall without Congress's support. The president also said Sunday that he understands the predicament facing hundreds of thousands of federal workers who are not receiving paychecks. Number two, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who formally announced she was running for president on New Year's Eve, held several campaign events around Iowa this weekend. Interestingly, she conspicuously avoided using Trump's name. She tried, though, to appeal to the people who were tempted by the president's angry populism in 2016. Meanwhile, today's New York Times reports that Joe Biden is nearing a final decision on a 2020 run of his own. The former vice president apparently told allies that he's skeptical any of the other Democrats in the White House can defeat Trump. Biden has indicated that he is leaning toward running and most likely will make a decision in the next two weeks. In that vein, NBC has unearthed a blog Warren wrote between 2005 and 2008. On it, the then Harvard Law professor blasted Biden for pro-business votes he cast in the Senate. When Biden was making moves to run for president back in 2008, Warren wrote that the then-Delaware senator's 2005 vote in favor of a bankruptcy bill was an indication that he prefers powerful corporations over hardworking families. It could foreshadow debates to come. Number three. A young Saudi woman detained in a Thai airport after fleeing her family in fear of her life will not be forcibly deported. Rahif Mohammed Alkunan, 18, was on holiday with her family in Kuwait when she fled to Bangkok, hoping to make it onward to Australia to seek asylum. Thai authorities detained her at an airport hotel in Bangkok's airport and planned to send her back to Kuwait on a flight departing at 11.15 a.m. local time. Alkunin, however, barricaded herself in her room and demanded to meet with the UN's refugee agency. At the time of the plane's departure, a friend posting on Twitter on her behalf says she remains in her hotel room, which is inside the airport's transit area past security and immigration checkpoints. The head of Thailand's Immigration Bureau says the country will not send her back immediately so that it can coordinate with the UN refugee agency. If deporting her would result in her death, he said, we definitely wouldn't want to do that. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, January 7th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The Washington Post has a new daily podcast, Post Reports, 
hosted by me, Martine Powers. Every weekday afternoon, we're bringing you stories about the state of the country, the world, and how we come to know the things we know. Get it now at WashingtonPost.com slash Post Reports.